Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of the 21 News Podcast. We're in the heart of political season, the Democrats finishing their convention last week, the Republicans in the middle of theirs right now, and Ohio looking like it may play an outsized role yet again in the outcome come November. With me today to discuss is House Democratic Leader Amelia Sykes. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Um, So let's get right to it. What is your sense of the state of the race right now, especially in Ohio, which does look like it might be much closer than it was in 2016? Yes, Ohio has definitely reclaimed its place as a battleground state. And as we've seen with many polls that have come out over the last few weeks, uh, uh, our Current President and Joe Biden are neck and neck, and uh, that momentum, uh, the Democrats plan to take all the way to Election Day. Uh, We know that polls are helpful and informative about what to expect and where people are are thinking and what people are thinking, uh, but that doesn't always translate to votes. So uh, we know that we have our work to do over these next 70 days to make sure that we are getting out our message, that we are getting uh, people uh, voting early, we're having them request absentee ballots because uh, the battle will be won in the ballot box. And so polls are great. Uh, votes are better. And uh, in order for us to build back better in the state with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, we've got to get to work and make sure we get our folks out. Now, do you think that Biden and the DNC accomplished what they needed to last week at their convention? And what, what would you say that was that they needed to sell? The DNC did exactly what it was supposed to do. It was an opportunity for us to show what happens when you have good, strong, thoughtful, compassionate leaders leading this country. Uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden were able to present a vision that showed that they will be able to move this country out of, uh, one, the corona pandemic, as well as the economic recovery that is uh, bound to happen because of it that needs to happen um, after so many people have been misplaced and without jobs. Uh, They laid out that vision. They unified the country. They invited everyone to come along with them to be a part of healing and unifying our country. Uh, And they did a wonderful job in doing it. And so we left the DNC excited, uh, virtually of course, uh, but certainly looking forward to work with uh, two really great leaders and getting our country back on the right track. Now, traditionally there is a bump coming out of of a convention. With this collapsed cycle, you are seeing some of a bump for the Biden-Harris ticket, but the RNC is already underway and could potentially just wipe that bump right out almost immediately with their own bump. What could the president say or do this week that would make you nervous about holding the perceived advantage that the Democrats seem to have right now? So Biden was carrying a bump into the DNC and carried one outside of it. So that's really promising. Uh, What we could see from the RNC is probably more of the same. Uh, The conversation about more chaos, not really having a plan to address the COVID crisis, not really having a plan uh, to address the economic fallout from it. Uh, And so they're likely, uh, the the general public is likely to see right through uh, the pomp and circumstance of what I watched uh, yesterday for the first night and understand that there is no plan coming out of the Republican convention. And so while there may be a bump just because people have seen it and viewed it, uh, when folks really start to digest the information that came from that conference, uh, they'll soon know that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are who we want to lead our country uh, and will be carrying that bump all the way to election day. Now, a few weeks back, that advantage did look a little stronger, though. Um, It still looks like a a fairly sizable lead. But if I look at the electoral map today, 
if Biden holds on to every state he's got a solid lead in and then wins Michigan, Pennsylvania and Ohio, that would still bring him just under 270. He needs to win, by my count, at least four significant swing states. And many of them went to Donald Trump in 2016. So what does the closing argument over the next couple months need to be? And who does he need to make it to? That's a really great question. So the closing argument just continues, needs to continue to be um, a better leadership, um, focusing on America's promise uh, and the fact that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are poised to build back better and ensure that we are coming out of the COVID crisis as well as the economic crisis in a way that preserves the dignity of all men, women, and children in this country. Uh, Who do they need to tell that message to? Absolutely everyone. Uh, We know we've been focusing a lot on uh, our blue collar workers who went to Trump and came back. You know, we're continuing to have that conversation and and particularly in communities like mine uh, in Akron, where uh, we saw uh, the current president tweet about a rubber and tire industry that literally built our community. Uh, That's very problematic for a battleground state, especially uh, in my hometown of Akron, Ohio. And so as we continue to talk about that message in what we have seen with Trump has not been uh, particularly helpful for those of us in Ohio. And then expanding our electorate and ensuring that we are talking to a suburban women, uh, we're talking to black voters, that we're talking to young people and getting them engaged. Uh, if we look at the, the vote totals in 2016, uh, we lost, Democrats lost by razor thin margins. And so it's simply a matter of going to those voters who we missed, uh, that we didn't talk to enough and making sure that they understand that we do care about them, that we do work for them, uh, and we would like them to participate in this election because it'll turn out for the better for everyone. So there is a lot of work to do. As I said, we've got about 70 days to do it, but we are up for the challenge because the soul of our nation is at stake and it's what we have to do in order for us to build back better. Some of those voters that didn't turn out in 2016 also come from the progressive wing of the party. Is there, it it seems to me that the Biden-Harris ticket is in a little bit of a strange territory there where you've got the president's people calling this the most progressive or, I mean, they they use different words like socialist, but they call it the most left-leaning ticket in history. But the progressive wing saying, look, you know, Joe Biden is straight down the center and Kamala Harris, while she's had a more progressive record in the Senate, has an overall somewhat of a centrist record if you look at her career as a whole. So how important is the progressive wing of the party? And are they more energized this time than they were in 16? The progressive wing of the party is incredibly important because they are um, a part of our big tent as Democrats. And we are glad that they are there and ensuring that we are addressing the needs of people across this country, um, no matter who they are. Uh, While I understand and recognize some of the challenges, uh, the benefit of having a progressive wing of the party is that they've been able to help uh, Joe Biden uh, reconsider and think through some of his positions in a way that has that progressive lens. Uh, we saw it with the interview with uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on uh, that they did together over the weekend in which we talked about the Black Lives Matter movement and she gave full credit, Kamala Harris gave full credit to the Black Lives Matter movement with uh, helping her refocus her attention on the way that she looks at criminal justice, even as a former prosecutor. And so the willingness to be open to those conversations and uh, be willing to adjust positions as it makes more sense as you get more information is a an asset and it's a value, as is the progressive wing. And I think they also see that it is incredibly important to get Donald Trump out of the White House. He has thrown this country into chaos. He has completely wrecked um, the healths and livelihoods with 
over 100,000 people now dead from the coronavirus. Um, we can get through our internal squabbles, but ultimately we need to get our country in a place where people can actually live and survive here and then make sure that their economic status is and their security is, is taken care of. So it is a good conversation to have. It's a robust conversation to have with the progressive wing of the party. And I'm glad they're a part of it. And they have been ensuring that the platform of the Democratic Party uh, reflects those values because they do reflect the values of this country. Now, um, in 2016, when we had a similar situation in some of the polling, at least, Hillary Clinton's strategy appeared to largely be to sort of sit on the lead. Mm -hmm. How aggressive does Joe Biden need to be between now and Election Day to not make what's arguably the same mistake? Exactly. So we know we're not going to make the same mistake. We're, there is no comfortable lead. We're either running uh, scared or running hard. And so that's what we're doing in Ohio. That's what you're seeing in Ohio. That's why you see Joe Biden investing in television ads, why you're seeing people organizing. You get, you're getting the phone calls and text messages because uh, we cannot leave anything to chance. This is far too important of an election uh, to just sit on the lead, as you mentioned, happened in 2016. So Everyone is actively participating and engaging and getting Joe Biden and Kamala Harris over the finish line uh, because we need them to be leading this country so that we can get back on track. All right. Well, I thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Now it's the Republicans' turn to make their case in prime time to the voters. With me is Mark Lauder, Director of Strategic Communications for the Trump campaign once again. Mark, thanks for being with us. No, thanks for having me, Justin. Now, Mark, the last time we spoke about a month or so ago, you had mentioned that you don't see Ohio as a battleground state, that it is still Trump country. Is that still where you see the race in Ohio? And how do you see the state of the race nationally? Uh, absolutely. I uh, have no doubt that Ohio will be uh, on the board for President Trump like it was in 2016. What we're seeing nationally is this race is tightening. And in fact, what we're seeing is that in, in all of the key states that President Trump went, needs to win to get to 270 electoral votes, we are either ahead and or right there within the margin of error. We've seen a significant uh, change in the polls here in just the last five or six weeks or so. And I think it has a lot to do with the Democrats' message. Not only is it a message from Joe Biden of tax increases, government regulation, and the things that really are gonna hurt American manufacturing, but what we've seen in recent weeks with the violence, the protests, the, the, the violent protests, the arson, rioting, uh, it, it's really, I think, driving, uh, sending a very strong message to many people across America. When you have Joe Biden calling police the enemy, Kamala Harris comparing them to the Klan, and Joe Biden saying that police should be defunded. And then you have President Trump standing with police officers saying that we can deal with those small, very few who exceed their authority, but the rest we need to celebrate. We know more police makes us safer, not less. Now, now you mentioned that. I, I mean, I do have to, to ask about that. Now, Joe Biden has definitively said that he does not call for defunding the police. He does support some reallocation of resources to other areas also, but he has, he has emphatically said he's not for defunding the police. Well, let me now, just emphatic. Sad. Sure. Well, let me just sure. emphatically say that if you take money from if you take money from somebody and give it to somebody else, you're defunding them. And so he can try <laughs> to play enough. semantics all he wants. Uh, but the fact of the matter is he wants police to have less money. And, and that's the wrong answer for America. And I think a lot of Americans are really shaking their heads right now when they see the violence and the arson and the images coming out of some of America's biggest cities. And then hearing the Democrats saying that fewer police is the answer. 
Now, traditionally, um, there is a bump coming out of the convention for each candidate, although it can be short-lived. Um, what do you think the president's message needs to be this week, since the, the conventions are obviously somewhat truncated due to the pandemic, um, to offset whatever bump you're seeing Biden get and hold on to it? And do you think he needs to be doing more to reach out beyond his base to voters who may, you know, are still on the fence. They still see double digit unemployment. They still see the pandemic and they're not sure which way to go. What, what does his message to them need to be? Well, I think first and foremost, what we're seeing from the president this week is, uh, is a message of hope and optimism that the best of America is still yet to come. The Democrat National Convention was so pessimistic. It was so dark uh, and had a negative view of, of our country. And that just doesn't line up with what I think most Americans think. And I definitely know it doesn't line up with the, what the president thinks. So he's going to talk about confronting the challenges that we have, whether they are uh, related to COVID and obviously the economic uh, outcome from that. But what we're seeing already is nearly half the jobs in America have already been regained. And the president's got a plan to create 10 million new jobs in the next 10 months, a million new small businesses. And he's already talking about wanting to bring even more manufacturing back to America, especially in areas where it relates to pharmaceuticals, medical supplies. I mean, our country shouldn't be uh, reliant on any other nation for our own public health and medications. But what you're going to see is the president talking about how we can do all of these things at once. Democrats want everything to be either or. You either hide in the basement and, and lock down and cause millions of people to lose their jobs, or you don't care about public health. We can do more than one thing at a time. And I think the president's message on that shows the American people that it's okay to live your life. Take precautions. Protect those who are most at risk. But it's time to get back to school. It's time to get back to work. It's time to get back to American life. Now, um, the president and, and his supporters have largely dismissed uh, Joe Biden's performance last week in, in, in much the same terms that you just did, dark, grim. Now, he has, outside of the, the partisan bubble, received some praise. I mean, obviously, the, the, the Democrats are, are casting it as talking about focusing on bringing a divided country back together. So... <clears throat> Outside of the partisan answer, from a strategic standpoint, I want to know, was there anything in Biden's message that made you nervous and that you think the president needs to adjust messaging according to? Ab absolutely not. In, in fact, I, what I noticed was that Joe Biden uh, couldn't even discuss policy. I mean, there was more policy discussed in one night on the Republican side than you got in the entire Democrat National Convention. And I think the reason is, that the more Joe Biden and the Democrats talk about their horrible policies, the more they alienate a, a wide majority of people. I mean, from tax increases to putting hundreds of thousands of Americans out of work with their radical Green New Deal, uh, going back on the horrible Iran deal, which gave pallets of cash to uh, the largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world and an enemy of Israel. I mean, these are just very out of sync policy messages uh, that I think that Joe Biden is going to try to continue to hide from. Meanwhile, we're out on the campaign trail. You saw the vice president and president uh, in multiple states last week. They're going to be in multiple states later this week. They went down to Charlotte where they actually accepted the nomination of the Republican convention. Joe Biden couldn't even be bothered to go to Wisconsin. So I think there's a lot of things in there that as this campaign continues to go on and on, we, the American people need to know what Joe Biden's policies are. He needs to talk about them. And if he won't, we'll be sure to let people know uh, exactly what he has planned. And it's not good for America.
So, so to wrap up, um, you mentioned that uh, the, the president is within the margin of error in all of the battleground states that he won or ahead. And that is true by my count, too. And you mentioned the race is tighter now than it was even five weeks ago, which was when I think we last spoke. That's also true. Also, then he was Biden was within something like two states of, of having it locked up. And now he'd need to win at least four battleground states in order to do it. So it's definitely tightening. My question is, though, um, the president would still need, if the election were held today, to hold on to every state he won in 2016 without much margin for error. So what's the strategy between now and Election Day to hold on to that and not lose any ground? Well, I think the big difference is, is that we have multiple paths to get to 270, uh, where Joe Biden's paths are, are really very slim. He has, he has a very narrow pathway. Uh, in fact, we plan to compete and win in every state that the president won in 2016, but we're also adding and growing the map. We, we've seen the president and vice president in, in Minnesota, where recent polls show that we are tied. We are very competitive and expecting to win New Hampshire, uh, which was extremely close uh, in 2016. So, and, and we've also got other states we also plan to compete in and win, like uh, like Nevada, New Mexico, and Colorado. So there are a number of places that we can go. Uh, we plan to hold whatever, all the states that we won, but we also plan to grow the map. The, 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 the pathway for Joe Biden is very narrow, and he has to do something that Hillary Clinton couldn't do, which is sweep the industrial Midwest, which is going to be a very difficult challenge for a man who voted for NAFTA which caused our jobs to go overseas, has a history of being weak on China, which caused our jobs to go overseas, and even supported that disastrous TPP plan, which the labor unions hated, because it would have caused even more of our jobs to go overseas. I think blue-collar blue middle America knows President Trump is fighting for their jobs. He's continuing to fight and actually wants to bring even more manufacturing jobs back to our country. And they see on the other side, Joe Biden, who has a, a history of weakness and being on the wrong side of all of these issues. All right, well, Mark, I appreciate your time. And I imagine we may speak again between now and November. Look forward Thank to you very much. Thank you.